0: We don't want to make you cavanosious with too much, but we do think you need to have your cavan knowledge up, so you can uh, talk around the water cooler, because that's what people talk about the water around the water cooler. Supreme <laughs> Court nomination fights.
1: <laughs> now relax, you will feel some pressure. This is your cavanoscopy. Oof!
0: <laughs> I got a alert the other day. I'm due for one of those. I've never yeah. had
1: one. Me no, me neither. I'm supposed to ask. I kind of
0: want to keep mine secret. I like a surprise. Huh. Keep your what secret. What's going on in there? <laughs> wow. Nobody's business. Oh, including boy. mine. All right.
1: Um If it, I was meant to know what's happening back there, it'd be in front of me. I'd have eyes
0: in my ass. Exactly. <laughs> um Do you have the TV ready to go, Michael? So the reason we chose this part to play for you, it just occurred. Well, it's probably still occurring, as they they're old people who talk slow, then a lawyer who's gotta be very careful about what he says.
1: But the maybe the, Well, Joe was pointing out. Is there any chance we can listen to this like one and a quarter speed? Like people (laughs) do podcast? Yeah, Yeah. Maybe even one and a half.
0: Joe pointed out a lot of the questioning over the next couple of days is going to be about uh, uh, presidential power and um, special counsels and that sort of stuff and whether Trump's just putting Kavanaugh on the Supreme Court because he's going to cover for him when he tries to avoid being indicted and blah, blah, blah. But on the abortion stuff, which is always a huge issue, it's one particular case that uh, the Democrats are worked up about and uh, Kavanaugh's role in it and Diane Feinstein's about to lay that out and she just did so let's hear a little bit of that
2: yeah I want to talk a little bit about one of the big decisions that we have the belief that it, although you told um, Senator Collins that you believed it was settled law the question is really do you believe that it's correct law and that's Roe v. Wade I was in the 50s and 60s um, active, but first as a student at Stanford. I saw what happened to young women who became pregnant, and then subsequently I sat as a um, appointee of Governor Brown's on the term-setting and paroling authority for women in California who had committed felonies. And so I sentenced women who had committed abortions to state prison and granted them paroles. And so came to see both sides.
0: There's one advantage of being her age, right? Yeah. I mean, you can go back to- How
1: are the sleeping birds on the Mayflower, honey?
0: Wow, that's uh, no need for that.
2: The terrible side and the human and vulnerable side. And when you look at the statistics during those days, those statistics that the Guttmacher Institute has put out are really horrendous. For you, the president that nominated you has said, I will nominate someone who is anti-choice and pro-gun. And we believe what he said. We cannot find the documents that absolve from that conclusion. So. What women have won through Roe and a host of privacy cases to be able to control their own reproductive system, to have basic privacy rights,
0: really... See, that's that's what drives me crazy in this argument. If you want to just sit there and make the argument that women should be able to kill the the little baby inside them, go ahead. And you don't have to use the words I just used. Politically, that wouldn't be a good idea. But don't use this... Reproductive rights term That's just That's just Lying to people That's just Ridiculous Let's talk about What it is And you can say Why can't they just Say out loud I don't think That little organism uh, Has feelings Or is a person So right. I believe We should be able To discard it yeah. You don't believe We should I think we
1: all Shade our arguments
0: But that's shading It too far That's my problem yeah. That's shading it Way too far Yeah yeah. To make it seem like he doesn't want women to have control over that area of their body in any way.
1: Yeah. No. Well, as a libertarian, what bothers me is the selective love of liberty, the selective dislike of government intrusion. Uh, Diane Feinstein is, and actually she's a fairly moderate Democrat, but plenty of folks on her side of the aisle are in favor of every single government intrusion you could possibly think of, except uh, in abortion. And that's that's what annoys me about the whole thing. But uh, my headline is: She said, "I sentenced women to prison for abortion." Literally, I think that's a direct quote. Uh, headline ought to be: "Dianne Feinstein quote: I sentenced women to prison for abortion." If I'm <laughs> running against her in the primary, of course that's over. But uh, or no, is it what? No, it's not. Is it? Yeah,
0: she beat what's his name?
1: Oh yeah. God, that passed without much notice. That's right. He had that whole, he had the papers. Uh, Kevin DeLeon, he had yeah. everybody whipped up. And, oh, yeah. she didn't get the endorsement, blah, blah, blah. Then she won by 50
2: points mm-hmm. or whatever it was. Important to this side of the aisle. And I hope the other side of the aisle as well. Um, last year, uh, you drafted a dissent in Garza, Garza v. Hargan. And that's a case where a young woman in Texas, I believe, was seeking an abortion. In that dissent, you argued that even though the young woman had complied with the Texas parental notification law and secured an approval from a judge, she should nonetheless nonetheless be barred. In making your argument, you ignored and I believe mischaracterized a Supreme Court precedent. You reasoned that Jane Doe should not be unable to exercise her right to choose because she did not have family and friends to make her decision. The argument rewrites Supreme Court precedent, and if adopted, we believe would require courts to determine whether a young woman had a sufficient support network right. when making her decision, this will decision. be interesting because his Even answer will probably be typical of
1: all of his answers. This to come.
2: reason, we believe, I believe, demonstrates that you are willing to disregard precedent. And if that's the case, because just saying something settled law, it really is—is is it correct law? Um, the impact of overturning Roe is much broader than a woman's right to choose. It's about protecting the most personal decisions we all make from government intrusion. Roe is one in a series of cases that upheld an individual's right to decide who to marry. It's not the, governor's right, the government's right. Where to send your children to school? The government can't get involved. What kind of medical oh, care ironic. you can receive at the end of life, as well as whether and when to have a family. And I deeply believe that all these cases serve as a bulwark of privacy rights that protect all Americans from over-involvement of the government in their lives. And to me, that's extraordinarily important.
1: Next, it's extraordinary to hear a Democrat make that argument. Go on, Diane. Tell us more.
2: (laughs) I'd like to address the president's promise to appoint a nominee blessed by the NRA. In reviewing
3: Uh, your judicial opinions and documents, it's pretty
2: clear that your views go well beyond simply being pro-gun. And I'd like to straighten that out. It's my understanding that during a lecture at Notre Dame Law School, you said you would be the, quote, first to acknowledge... That most other lower judges, court judges, have disagreed with your views on the Second Amendment. For example, in District of Columbia v. Heller, you wrote that unless guns were regulated either at the time of the. So, do you want
0: this? I didn't realize she's going to do both abortion and guns in one question. <laughs> so, we're going to do Roe versus Wade and the Second Amendment in my one question that is 10 minutes long. Right. I'd, I'd kind of like to hear him say something, but... Well, you know what we could do? We could take a little break. We could cue up his answer and hear a little how he responds. Because I think you're right. I think his response to this from the, the, the senior member
1: for the Democrats is what we're going to hear for three days. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to get to the latest Steve Bannon flap in which... Quite a bit of progressive America has revealed itself to be squalling little brats, Steve Bannon. incapable of adult activity.
0: Steve Bannon and I need to get together and discuss how what you do about your red nose when you're on television. We both have that problem.
1: Big red noses like we're Rudolph. He's not. Uh, he's not that appearance-oriented from what I've observed. <laughs> I don't think he gives a damn. <laughs> you're listening to the
0: Armstrong and Getty Show.
2: Armstrong and Getty.
1: The Conscience. Of the nation.
2: The Armstrong and Getty Show.
3: In organizing this hearing, uh, this has been the most thorough Supreme Court confirmation process. That I've ever ever participated in, we've received more than twice as many documents for Judge Kavanaugh as for any Supreme Court nominee in history.
0: I thought that was an important statement to get out there, just because you're going to hear a lot of the opposite all day long. And they received twice as many documents as any nominee in history. Mm. So, but not enough. But not, but not all of them, I guess. So, well, welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show. So, the way this is working, and I, and I, I didn't realize this. Maybe I should. not so they're all going to lay out these, these questions. For, they each get 10 minutes. And then at the end, so instead of going question, answer, question, answer, question, answer, they're doing, everybody's making
1: their statements and it's questions. It's opening statements, yeah.
0: Which included her questions. Right. And then he's going to re-
1: respond to them. So. Well, that's why it's four days. It's just a drone fest. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <clears throat> Let the memes begin. Somebody, I'll keep him anonymous. Just sent us this tweet: the uh, Colin Kaepernick Nike ad thing, with his picture there, and says, "Believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything." Then the Nike swoosh, just do it. Osama bin Laden's picture instead of Colin Kaepernick. It's not too much at all. I think it's perfectly reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> So that's started. By the way, we uh, we only listen you to like... pictures of Hitler in the bunker. You want to trot out there? Yeah, because
0: Colin Kaepernick is like Osama bin Laden, very I much mean, like him. Come. In a
1: lot of ways, he is <laughs> Homo Sapien, huh? Bearded, bearded, two arms, two legs, etc.
0: Um, so we listened about half a Diane Feinstein's question, which was probably more than we needed. And that gives you an idea where they're going. But anyway, um, you missed a big lie that she had toward the end, where she mentioned the two hundred some school shootings, which has been debunked.
1: Oh my God, she went with that. Yeah, apparently. Oh, then NPR got to the bottom of and unmasked his uh, bizarre misstatement or eleven.
0: It's either two hundred some or eleven, right? Um, God, politics
1: is stupid. It really is, and grubby. Ah, it's gross.
0: It's no way to run a country. It just isn't. You know, it's just I, a bad idea. You're right. You were right earlier.
1: Democracy, it's just it's a bad idea. I spent decades watching this stuff and reading about it and being really into it. At this point in my life, I'd rather pick up my dog's excrement. I find that more delightful work, really, than watching politics. The politics gets the yard clean, too.
0: There's so much politics in these things. Maybe there always has been, but there's so much politics in these things that Oh, well, there's almost nothing else. There's almost nothing
1: else. It's much, much, much more overheated now. It, you, these things used to be oh, yeah. g- gentlemanly and gentlewomanly. And, and they'd get voted in. The president in. gets the right to nominate somebody. This is a respected jurist for many, many years. How could we possibly object to him? Uh, thank you very much and good night.
0: And they'd get confirmed 98 to nothing.
1: Sure, because the president gets to nominate.
0: And now no, it's purely, church. if you have the majority, you can get your person in. If you if you don't, you can't.
1: Right. Right. I find it uh, absolutely charming and hilarious, the idea that uh, this nominee is tainted as the president is under investigation. I mean, that's a funny argument. That's a really silly one. The Republicans brought it on with their, hey, we can't have a nominee during an election year, charade. Which was, which, yeah. Which was ridiculous. But worked, because they had the majority. Right, exactly. And they weren't r- r- voted out, uh, you know, hook, line, and sinker by the electorate. So they got away with it. But anyway. Um hate some younger people. <laughs> yeah, it's tough to get elected, Senator. And then it's tough to boot one out. Damn near impossible. So Steve Bannon... You know Steve Bannon, right? If you don't, it'd take too long to explain. He was President Trump's former chief strategist. He is a right-wing intellectual. Uh, he blasts the president fairly frequently... Um, For not being uh, Trumpy enough. He's a colorful guy. He's also a brilliant guy. Maybe you agree with him. Maybe you don't. Well, he was invited to the New Yorker Festival. By David Remnick, the editor of the New Yorker, who is a widely respected journo. Well, when it was announced that he will be the headliner, he'll show up on stage, and, and Remnick, who leans left, I mean, clearly is the editor of The New Yorker, um, Remnick will grill him and ask him the tough questions. And he's good. And argue with And
0: him. he's good. I've been following his act for many years. I've oh, read, yeah. many Smart his, guy. read many of his
1: books. Yeah. Yeah. But that was the format, and then the audience could react, et cetera, et cetera. Well, within moments of the announcement that he would be there, there were scathing rebukes and high-profile dropouts. Within 30 minutes of one another, John Mulaney, who is hilarious. Because we're listening to stand-up,
0: because we're responding to stand-up comedians' Judd
1: Apatow, Jack Antonoff, whose work I don't know, and Jim Carrey said on social media they would be pulling out of the scheduled events at the festival.
0: Because uh, an actor, a comedian, another funny actor, writer, director, person, because they're upset? There's a little more. We
1: change our national conversation? If Steve, well, Judge Apatow... Epitau said, "If Steve Bannon is at the New Yorker Festival, I am out. I will not take part in an event that normalizes hate. I hope the New Yorker will do the right thing, cancel Bannon, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera.
0: This should all be stupid noise, except for the punchline, which is they actually disinvited him.
1: Oh yeah, well, a- a- absolutely. Yeah, uh, said Remnick. The reaction on social media was critical, and a lot of the dismay and anger was directed at me and my decision to engage him. Some members of the staff, too, reached out to say that they objected to the invitation, particularly the forum of the festival. He added, I don't want well-meaning readers and staff members to think that I've ignored their concerns. This is Mr. Just... Bannon lashed out at Mr. Remnick upon being mis- disinvited, calling him gutless. Well, it's a <laughs> gutless move. Yes, it's, I think it's... that's why he called him that.
0: Why yeah. he called him gutless. So Malcolm Gladwell has taken some
1: heat Let me, for... let me read one okay. more thing. Said Bannon in a statement in the New York Times, The reason for my acceptance was simple. I would be facing one of the most fearless journalists of his generation. In what I would call a defining moment, David Remnick showed he was gutless when confronted by the howling online mob.
0: I don't know how you could possibly disagree with Bannon on this point. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell, who uh, we like and is a writer and a thinker, and once again, if you don't know who that is, there's no point in setting (laughs) up. But, um...
1: Uh, he, he, he he has the devil's curly hair. He
0: tweeted some things, and he's getting some uh, blasted from the left it. but he he tweeted, among other things, Joe McCarthy was done in when he was confronted by someone with intelligence and guts before a live audience. Sometimes a platform is actually a gallows. Huh, on another tweet. Call me old-fashioned, but I would have thought that the point of a festival ideas was to expose the audience to ideas. If you only invite your friends over, it's called a dinner party. It's, it... David Remnick is more than capable of debating Steve Bannon. Yes. And you get them both on stage, and you let them throw out their stuff, and uh, either agree with one or the other, or the right side wins, or the wrong side wins, or whatever, but that is the way the whole system is supposed to work. And not only that, I could possibly agree with David Remnick saying, you know what, we're just giving this guy a platform. If it was some fringe group, you know, if it was, uh, you know, actual uh, Klansmen or something like that, you might be able to make the argument, we're giving them a voice they don't deserve. But in this case, this is a guy who helped someone get elected president. Trump actually won. Right. It's a pretty good idea to know what the thinking is of the guy who's currently president of the United States.
1: So, a related story from America's college campuses that's really, really good, and a, a fantastic quote from Thomas Sowell that I was going to uh, have as a, a cap to this discussion, but we have no time. And more on that coming up, but what a cowardly move by the left to not engage. Yeah, you people are squalling brats. You have so little behind your such. Your so enthusiastic opinions, you can't even back them up.
3: What's up cowards. in your news next, Marshall? All right, we got protests continuing at the Kavanaugh hearings and stocks. Are punishing Nike today? Really they are down? Yes, that's,
0: that's surprising to me. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. I'm not usually this bothered by this story because it keeps happening over and over again. The the lack of our nation's ability to have debates anymore. But this one really bothers me because it would have been so good. Steve Bannon being questioned by David David Remnick. And if you don't know his act, he's really good and very capable. And a solid, you know, guy on the left hand of the aisle. Would have been a great conversation for the the country to have, right? And he got pushed back. And he chickened out, and they disinvited Steve Bannon. That's just embarrassing.
1: It's like when the uh, Atlantic fired Kevin Williamson before he'd written a word for them. Because they dared to say, all right, this guy is a conservative intellectual and a great writer. Why don't we have him trot out his ideas for the readers? And the reader said, no, no, no! We, we don't want that! It's cowardice. You know, I, s- I spent some time with some nice folks. They got, uh, they got some kids, uh, one of whom is at that sullen, hostile, uncooperative age of adolescence that many of us go through. Um, and it was funny, his attitude reminds me a lot of the uh, New Yorker readers and fans' attitude, and Judge Apatow and the rest of them. It, it, just this incredible rigidity and juvenile inability to say, okay, this will be interesting, and instead labeling everything hate speech you don't like. It's like, you know, paraphrase uh, Orwell, when hate speech has just become shorthand for something you don't like Thomas Sowell uh, said this and I thought it was absolutely uh, brilliantly apropos for the conversation considering how often throughout history even intelligent people have been proved to be wrong, it is amazing that there are still people who are convinced that the only reason anyone could possibly say something different from what they believe is stupidity or dishonesty, or I would say evil, which is frequently, you know pinned on people who dare to disagree with such leading lights as john mulaney who is very very funny
0: wow and bannon was willing to be questioned in front of a crowd that would have booed everything he said and cheered everything that remnick said and in
1: fact bannon said the reason he was so excited about it is he would be talking to somebody as smart and tough as remnick and he thought that would be great and they chickened out. And listen, I tell you what, you rigid little cowards who have so little behind your quote-unquote convictions, you you don't dare ever hear them confronted. If I'm going to some festival of, I don't know, I, I read the National Review time and time again. I don't agree with nearly everything they say, but I find it interesting. So I go to the National Review Festival, and they announce that, I don't know, Nancy Pelosi is going to be the headliner, or Judd Apatow, or... I don't know. Who's a solid thinker, Kamala Harris or whatever. I'm thinking, wow, that's cool. I'm going to see some fireworks. I'm going to see some ideas buttoned up against each other. It's because I'm not terrified of dissent, and I don't pretend that everybody who disagrees with me is like something out of Harry Potter that's come to suck my soul. Babies. Death Eaters, for instance. Hmm. No, Death Eaters are the good guys. You're thinking of the uh, the uh, what with the the dementors? F- dementors,
3: yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: Let's get the news now. With Marshall Phillips.
3: Well, senators are finally giving their opening statements in Brett Kavanaugh. No, the Death Eaters are the bad guys. I'm thinking of the Aurors. <laughs> <laughs> Back to you, Marshall. <laughs> senators finally given their opening statements in Brett Kavanaugh's nomination to the U.S. Supreme Court. Diane Feinstein, as you heard earlier, outlined her concerns about he might, how he might vote on Roe v. Wade. And her Second Amendment concerns. The hearings themselves have got off to a raucous start, with Democrats demanding more access to scores of records and documents from Kavanaugh's past. Senator Cory Booker demanding to know
0: What is the rush? What are we trying to hide by not having the documents out front? What is with the rush? What are we hiding by not letting those documents come out? Demo- Stop
1: the
3: hammering! <laughs> 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 Democrat Richard Blumenthal joined frustrated Dems. And you're rightly proud Mr. of. Chairman, the if, judge. if we cannot be recognized, I move to adjourn. The American people. Mr. Chairman, I move to, to adjourn. Directly
2: from Judge Kevin
3: <sighs> Iowa Republican Chuck Grassley overruled Democratic objections and accused Dems of trying to overtake the hearings with mob rule. Meanwhile, he had several protesters being removed from the hearing room throughout the opening. What?
2: Very. Very Disagree.
1: Very.
0: Stop
2: the hammering. (laughs) Do we have any idea what that person was saying?
3: Uh, She doesn't like his nomination. Ah, yes. (laughs) (laughs) There, there were several like that. Anyway, the uh, the hearings are continuing with the opening statement. Each of the senators gets to uh, make a ten minute opening statement, outlining their concerns and questions.
1: Nike is... <laughs> It'd be funny to go to one of those super big-time hearings and get in there and then jump up and just s- start shouting something so completely bizarre and nobody knows what to make of it.
3: Nike. Yeah!
1: Yeah, there are bananas in the henhouse because of the lex enforcement of my doctor. It's
3: 27 years old.
0: <laughs> just Stop the hammering. To me. Well,
3: <laughs> Nike is nike is taking a nosedive on wall street after the company revealed colin kaepernick as the new face of its just do it okay but but
0: the wall street reacts to anything edgy with a we better not that's that's their first reaction that that doesn't mean it's not going to work out
1: how about the wisdom of crowds jack over
0: time the wisdom of crowds will, will play out but anything different no, ah, everybody gets scared on Wall Street. Exactly, They, they want remember, a safe
1: bet. remember the Trump market crash? Yeah,
3: right. That was such a big deal <laughs> yeah. in the mainstream uh, <laughs> media yeah. for a day. Yeah. Same with Brexit. Meanwhile, the PSP, the uh, Positive Sean portfolio, just yes. keeps going up, 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 baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Kaepernick tweeted out a photo of himself with the slogan, Believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. Nike, celebrating 30th anniversary of its Just to Do It slogan. That's look at your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. Here I'm starting a Getty Show, The Conscience of the Nation. Whoops. Sean, what? Oh, wait a minute.
0: Squawky or our bell or something. Hang on. There we go. Sean is part of the FIRE movement, which I was reading about over the weekend. That's uh hot thing with millennials. Financial independence, retire early is FIRE. Really? Which I'm all for. That would mean being very careful with your money. And...
3: Oh, that's part of it? Oh. <laughs> 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 retire at 43 you're on fire
1: and far-seeing wise college administrators are realizing this culture we're breeding is a serious problem and some are trying to do something about it
0: mm. there's a couple of books out about that
1: oh yeah including one by uh, some of our heroes uh, which we are, uh, we are arranging a conversation with them as soon as possible.
0: A nursery school hired pole dancers to welcome children back after summer break. I'm no- against that. Nobody can figure out why they did that. How dare you? Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty show.
2: Armstrong and Getty.
1: The conscience of the of nation. Behind the nation.
2: The Armstrong
0: and Getty Show. The school where they hired pole Locking dancers strong. to welcome back nursery school kids. The, uh, the parents said, What the hell is this? <laughs> the, uh, school ad- the school administrator apologized and said the uh, plan was not well thought out. And they will in the future
1: ask for really <gasps> think out their plans to hire strippers. will
0: ask for parental uh, input. In making these sorts of decisions, <laughs> oh god, it's That's amazing. That's very to me. athletic. It's amazing to me when people make really dumb decisions and then retrospect, say, "Oh, you yeah, know, you know, you're right. That is kind of dumb."
1: If you missed the twentieth anniversary best of Armstrong and Getty that we aired on Friday, at least some places, um, uh, it's worth seeking out if only for the uh, fighting strippers uh, uh, section of the podcast. There's a lot of good stuff there. And thanks for your notes and everybody and your tweets and your emails and whatever else, and whatever else. But uh, yeah, the the arguing strippers is worth the price of admission, which is zero. It's free.
0: Uh, so breaking breaking financial news. Yes, Amazon has just become the second trillion dollar company.
1: Yeah, this morning. So adjust so accordingly.
0: Well, the whole Apple thing wasn't, isn't quite as exciting. If two weeks later a different company becomes a trillion dollar company, so never all right. mind all the talk about that.
1: Do you Two remember when that you know you remember when that uh, stupid marketing book was all the rage and everybody was walking around the corporations of America saying nobody remembers the second person to cross the Atlantic in an airplane you got to be first you know blah 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 we got to be blah, blah. and everybody was spouting that and I would sit there thinking well Coke's the number one soft drink but Pepsi seems to do okay that's it's just the capacity of people To buy something intellectually because it's new and hot. I think it's probably like wearing the same clothes as everybody else. It just makes you feel like you fit in. But, um, I don't know. Business. Anyway, back to what I wanted to talk about. Um, Wall Street Journal. Colleges across the U.S. are teaching students, parents, and alumni. Which I think is notable. And I may know. Somebody who works on a college campus who would say, oh, my God, yes. Colleges across the U.S. are teaching parents, students, and alumni how to talk politics without going on the attack in an effort to counter gl- growing polarization and nastiness in political discourse. The new Project on Civil Discourse at American University's School of Public Affairs will coordinate student-led discussions through classes, dormitories, and clubs. Students will reflect on their debate styles and talk through hypotheticals, like whether to engage or kick out party guests who say hateful things. Wake Forest University is using an intimate approach, dinner parties for 10 to 16 people at a time. After pilot sessions with parents and alums in 45 cities, it's aiming to get 1,000 undergrads and other 2,000 parents and alums to the dinner table this school year. The goal is to have participants reveal things about themselves find connections with others, and feel more confident working together, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and then as they get to eventually, to not despise each other if there are tiny shades of disagreement. There's, uh, let's see, they talk about uh, universities including uh, Butler, Tufts, and Duquesne. Um, with schools criticized either for coddling over sensitive young adults or for allowing extremists to spew hate, they're working to improve civil discourse. They are starting speaker series and courses and even designing skits on how to respond if a roommate hangs an offensive poster. I think they also need to point out, you seem to be offended by everything. You seem to be more enthusiastic about finding offense than you are about anything else in your life. Maybe they'd address that as well. So you have that story. That's a big effort. And then uh, the San Diego Union-Tribune with a really good uh, article about the universities in the San Diego area, bracing for hyperconnected Generation Z. The schools are caught up in. Uh, is this point- the
0: same as iGen, or do they both have the same name, or is there a battle over what to call this next group?
1: Or- I will not even even engage in that question. Having used the term, I refuse to defend it. Okay, because <laughs> discussions of generations. ...are so silly. But they're pointing out that the new generation of students are far different than the millennials they've been serving, and any millennial can tell you that. Um, Schools are caught up in pointed discussions occurring nationally about whether universities are preserving free speech, preparing students for a labor market that's changing so fast. One scholar called it unknowable. That is absolutely true.
0: Clearly true. Well, One of the reasons I like the term iGen is it's the idea that it's the first generation to grow up with the internet, which... I can actually believe will be different than generations that have gone before.
1: Right. What was that stat you threw out about uh, kindergarten? Four out of five. No, it's the different one. I'm sure of it. About the kindergartners these days. Yeah,
0: I don't remember the exact number, but it was very high. Um, Like 75 percent of jobs that kindergartners will do haven't been invented yet, or don't exist right now. Right. Right. So you know, I've got a first grader. What that you know, what that kid is going to do for a living. Those jobs don't even exist yet. Probably ought to
1: study Zutron technology, (laughs) because the world's going to be run on Zutrons. (laughs) Uh, The nation's colleges and universities have started to absorb the first generation of students whose lives have always been shaped by cell phones, the internet, and social media. The digital natives, informally known as Generation Z, are consumed by mobile devices, apps, and websites, using them for uh, upwards of six hours a day. Analysts say the Z's attention span may be as short as eight seconds. Four seconds shorter than their predecessors. Uh, Says a freshman at point Anybody
0: who owns a smartphone who doesn't think their attention span is shorter is lying to themselves.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking of, um, I'm going to force myself to read a book for an hour every day. I don't have kids in the house now I can. I'm going to try to re-stretch my attention span.
0: Yeah, I, yeah. Well, that, yeah. I I tried to read an article yesterday, and with with while watching my kids, it took me like a it took me like four hours oh to read a newspaper article. So I don't know if now's the perfect time for me to do that. Says
1: a freshman at Point Loma Nazarene University, whose name I'm not going to use because, thank God, I was never quoted as a freshman. Everybody's on social media watching everybody else. You feel pressure to prove you're having a good life. It's FOMO, fear of missing out.
2: Hmm. I'm going to tell everyone about how shitty you are.
1: Um, there you go. There's your social media. Here's a sophomore at UC God, San I, Diego. I,
0: when I was a freshman in college, I knew what some people's lives were like a little bit. I sure as hell didn't know what everybody's life was like and everything they'd ever done in oh, their lives. Wouldn't
1: want to. So here's a sophomore at UC San Diego. I'm always having to adapt to education rather than having education adapt to me. Oh, education evolves slowly.
0: That's the sort of thing you say
1: when you're young. Yeah. Shut up! <laughs> uh, Shut up! Then they throw in nearly 40% of the freshmen surveyed said they were frequently bored in class. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, yeah. That's,
1: kind of, that's one of the points of school
2: is you got to learn how to
1: get through
0: boring stuff. Yeah, God, I was trying to explain to my son that we were doing something boring, waiting at a store to buy something, and... He was bored, and I said, this is just, you know, you're eight now. This is, this, is, this is part of what life is, waiting around for stuff. You have to figure out something to think about or something to do, but this is, this is part of what life is.
1: You know, I finally got pretty good at being a dad, I think, by the end of it, um, <laughs> and knew to not offer this sort of sage advice immediately, but to let a little time pass. But when my, parent, when my parents, when my kids um, would bitch about a teacher, who was not 100% competent, kind of unfair, had their prejudices, blah, blah, blah. I tell them, you know what? That skill, dealing with them, negotiating with them, getting through the class, is way more important than the topic of the class. You're not going to have one boss like that. You're going to have five that you have to think, okay, I need this gig. I like my career. This person's an a-hole. They probably won't be here forever. How do I handle this? That's so important compared to, you know, unless you're going to get into space rocketry, like trigonometry or whatever.
0: Being able to read. Right.
1: Read it. And it's unholy cousin writing.
0: (laughs) Uh, yeah, there's a couple of books out. The Splintering of the American Mind and The Coddling of the American Mind that are about both about the sort of stuff you were just talking about. Got reviewed by the New York Times over the weekend. I was going to mention that.
1: I'm always having to adapt to education rather than having education to adapt to me. Oh, you're right. Shut up. <laughs> For a good long time, I'll tell you when you can talk again.
0: <laughs> you're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.